At this point, we've been unemployed for a very long time. Uh-huh. I'm very grateful for the unemployment checks, but I just keep thinking, if that isn't enough, like what is my backup job? Uh-huh. And I finally decided my backup job is nannying. Mm. But I really hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Do you have a backup plan? Um, do I have a backup plan? Of course I don't have a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that I will figure it out when I need to. For I sure. mean, I really my dream backup plan would be for this podcast to blow up so we can get that money. Oh, seriously, that'd Since be amazing. We're already treating this like a job anyways. Might as well get paid. That'd be great. <laughs> so speaking of women getting paid, yes. wonder what that's like. <sighs> 47% of the U.S. workforce is made up of women. Mm-hmm. And yet, the number of women CEOs at S&P 500 companies is teeny tiny and declining. So in 2017, women made up 6.4% of the companies on that list, and that number is now down to 4.8%. What the hell? And that's like super low already. I know. And it's declining? Yeah, it's surprising. Shit. So today we're talking about women in the workplace and the work-life balance. And when we talk about workplace, we're not just talking about the office or the restaurant or et cetera, et cetera, but also stay-at-home moms. You know, the home is a workplace too, and that job is a tough one. Absolutely. And men, don't you dare turn this off, because even (laughs) though we're focusing on women in the workplace, you are our allies. Yep. And... If you happened to be dating or married to a woman, then you especially need to listen to this yeah. because it will help you know how to support her even more than you already hopefully are. Exactly. We're helping you. <laughs> this is Loud and Louder with, with Holly, Holly and Misha. Only 27% of college grads have a job related to their major. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Right? Like, I feel like most people don't go into their field that they majored in. Which is weird to think about. Like, four years of hard work. Yeah, but you're also, like, picking that as an 18, sometimes 17-year-old. Like, you don't know what the hell you're going to do with your life. True. I started as an education major. Wow. So I could mold. Miss Cole. Yeah. Miss Cole. I would have been that sexy teacher. (laughs) And that's why I got out of it. But, yeah, I was going to mold the brains and the the minds of our future. And then I was like, you know what? This is probably not a good idea. So then I was like, let me get into business. And I was I was going to do communication. And then communication meant I had to take a lot of econ courses. So then I went to speech communication, which is really funny because once I transferred to my next school, I ended up doing communication and minoring in econ because I took so many courses in econ at the last school I had. So I have a headache just trying to keep track of that. Uh-huh. And now... I'm here. I am not a business gal at all. No? But like in your career journey, to me it seems like it, it seems like you were never like, oh, I have to get this type of job and then I'm going to climb up to this no. and then that. Uh, you just kind of like seize the opportunity that's in front of you, right? Yeah. Everything kind of, I was going to say everything fell in my life. That sounds really bad, but everything did kind of work itself out with how my career has been. But no, it wasn't something where I was like, I want to do this and therefore I'm going to go for this job. Like my first right. like real job at that ad agency was like my friend was working there and she was like, hey, we're hiring. And I was like, all right, cool. And so yeah. that's how I was there. And I was there for nine years. And so, then your mom had a connection at Blue Place. Yep. So you took advantage of that, which yeah. is great. I mean, all of my things have just kind of been like. That makes sense for your personality, though, because <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to roll with it and it'll all work out. I'm which a chameleon. Is Great. I, I wish I could be like that more and not panic so much. Yeah, yeah. It's about all the good. future. <laughs> but you had different like situation with that. So I've always wanted a career in performance. To be an actor. Yes. Like I've always wanted that since I was a little kid. Like I started theater at six, mm-hmm. but I never thought I could make it because it's such a hard field and I always doubted myself. So I kept telling myself, like, oh, I have fun with this, but like it's not going to be my career. Right. Like, I, I kept pushing that dream down and, like, suppressed it Damn. deep in my body. Oh. And <laughs> I don't know what that even means. Um, but it was crazy because then I was doing a theater degree 
and nursing at the same time. So I was losing my mind. Yeah. Because I was also an RA. (laughs) Um, And so I did all my prerequisites for nursing. I completed my entrance exams, passed. I was ready to go into nursing school. And that was the point of no return. So I was like, okay, if I go into nursing school, I will no longer have an ounce of time for theater. Right. So am I okay with that? And I was so stressed for the years leading up to that because I knew what I wanted, but I was afraid to go for it. And nursing is obviously like a really safe job. There will always be a need for nurses. Like the medical field in general. Um, And then on a trip to... I think Los Angeles. LA, we were gonna see um, like various performances on the bus. Like my acting professor, who I really looked up to, Michael Carey. He's awesome. Um, he was like, "So what are you gonna do, Holly?" And I was like, "I don't know." He was like, "I really think you should just commit to your theater degree." You're a star. <laughs> well, and he was a very blunt person. So for That's him awesome. to say like, "I actually think you can make it. I think you should go for it." was the final thing I needed to be like, okay, Holly, just believe in yourself. That's awesome. And so I switched. Like, I I ditched nursing and I finished my theater degree. That's probably the only thing you've ditched. And huh? then I... Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't like quitting stuff, but it, it, it was the point of no return. And yeah. I, I'm so glad because what it really came down to was I didn't want to flash forward 20, 30 years and be like, what if I had actually done what I loved? Right. I didn't want regrets. Yeah. I feel that. So I am a very, like, logical, planned out person. But this is the point where I realize, like, passion over paycheck, y'all. And and that's what's interesting. Because, like, I've never had a true passion of what I wanted to do. I just always knew that, like, I wanted to be successful in whatever way I could be. Yeah. And I also knew that I always wanted work-life balance. I did not want to be the person that's just like constantly all about their job, all about their career. Like I want to have a great work and career life, but I also want to be able to come home yeah. and have a great family life, you know? Sure. So it's it's interesting how like things kind of turn about within itself, you know? Yeah. But how did your parents feel about that? Oh, Lottie. Um <laughs> It's, it's kind of, it's not kind of, it's extremely stressful because my mom and my dad are divorced and they have completely opposite views. Uh So my mom has always pushed for like, you're going to be famous. You need to be famous. You should be famous, but be famous without saying a single cuss word in any performance, no nudity, nothing inappropriate. And I'm like, okay. That's fucking hard. She's like, you should go to Hallmark just as a stepping stone. Hallmark, yes. Um, I'm surprised she would even like, like Hallmark movies are all about like lust and like cheating and murders. I think she's thinking of a lot of the Christmas. I don't know. Okay. But regardless, I'm like, okay, you can't just be famous. Like you can do all the right things. Totally. And like, so I, I know for a fact, like, in particular, there's at least one part I didn't get because of the way I looked. You can't control that. Yeah. And a lot of times it's about luck and who you know. Yeah. So I have my mom, who's still hoping that I'm famous in G-rated movies. <laughs> and then my dad has never really cared for the arts half as much as sports. Right. So when I moved to Chicago and, like, went through Second City's whole, like, conservatory program and graduated from that and did a bunch of programs and classes in Chicago like I was in it like I moved here and I was years which is awesome I was years in like I was committed and I remember this random conversation that my dad had with me he was like so when are you gonna like quit this comedy crap and go back to nursing school and my heart just like sank because I was like you have no idea like how good I am right and you have no idea how much this means to me yeah and I yeah, my heart sank. He does recognize my talent because, like, I got him to come to a couple shows in, like, high school. Yeah, I was about to say. But I doubt he's been to your shows. Not the lately. comedy shows. I would never want him to. Your he shows walk are out. awesome. Thank you. I, so I feel good. like people truly don't know me until they've seen me do nope, comedy. definitely. Because... We were just talking about that the other day. Yeah. I was like, I remember, like, meeting you and being friends with you. Like, all right, she's cool. And everybody's like, oh, she's hilarious. And, like, I knew you were funny. But then I got to the stage. I was like, oh, my God. It's like the real me exposed through all these insane characters that yes, I create. And, yes, And so it's kind of tough because then I feel like I want to share that piece of me with people. But I don't know, like, my day-to-day self is more like uptight and like 
more of a princess. I mean, my mom literally told me, be a princess, Holly, growing up, like, sit up straight, behave, like, don't look ugly. That like, makes so... Oh, my mom used to say that all the time. She's like, Misha, don't let... When I, like, you know when, like, <laughs> that age where, like, you're wearing, like, sweatpants and, like sweatshirts. I had a and, track suit. You know, like in that and my mom's like, Misha, you never know what's gonna happen. And what was so funny is there was this one like documentary that happened in our area and I just so happened to be on it and I was like, Oh, like I was not expecting my it. My mom was right. And literally my mom was like, See, I told you. I told you. I'm oh, like, my God mom was damn even it. like like I took silly pictures of my friends that ended up on Facebook and she's like, This is really unflattering of you. You should these. <laughs> and I was like it's literally me making a goofy face. And she's like, but it's very ugly. Oh. I'm just like, okay, well, cool. In all so- aspects, our, our moms have definitely, <laughs> definitely, a, 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 they're similar. And I get situation. it. Like, you want to put an image out to the world. Totally. That is accurate and that paints you well. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to be fake. Like, I like to be goofy and ugly and silly sometimes. Well, and honestly, even with this podcast, right? Like, I love what we do. And then there's these nights where, like, I might have smoked some weed. And I just get in my head. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, like these people out are going to the think world. I'm crazy. Like, this is going to be out there for everyone to see. And I'm like, you know, you're so sweet. And I'm coming off as like this aggressive <laughs> sexual being <laughs> who loves to drink. And <laughs> but see, okay, but then there, my insecure part that wakes up at like 2 a.m. And is like, <gasps> I mean, first of all, what I'm putting out is crazy for my family. So yeah. I know it doesn't seem like bad, but yeah. for me, it no, still de- is like scary. Definitely. But I also think like, I wish I could let loose more because I have this really goofy, crazy side. Totally. But when the world is watching, I just like snap into like princess professional mode. And it's so hard for me to just like be that gross, dark, well, I'm goofy a, person. I'm going to pull that shit out of you, girl. Let's do it. I like Please it. Do. I love it. So, coolest jobs that we've ever had? Yeah. Ooh, I mean, my favorite are definitely when I've been paid to perform yeah. because that's when you feel like a real actor. <laughs> um, I mean, my biggest paid gig was being on an episode of Chicago Justice. Nice. Which only lasted one season, and I was only on one episode, but it was a speaking role. You, I got, what did you say? Do you remember? I don't remember, but I was being questioned by the main detectives because my ex-boyfriend was a suspect. Oh. We got to find that clip. <laughs> we should. I yes. don't I was shocked that I never like got a copy. But I w- I felt like I was having a heart attack all day because I was really excited but really terrified. Like I had my own trailer. What? And Dick Wolf was the producer and someone said <laughs> that he was there, but I didn't know what he looked like on purpose. I was right. like, I don't wanna know. Like that's really intimidating. Right. Like he's produced all the law and orders for right. anybody who doesn't know the name. But um it's crazy because for one day of work, over time I think I got paid like four grand. Oh damn. Like, it was significant. That's pretty damn good. I didn't expect that. But then you have, like, my two-person sketch comedy shows, and because we're writing... Which are hilarious, Thank you. <laughs> but because we're writing it, producing it, directing it, and performing in it, the amount of hours we put in versus, like, the few hundred dollars we get at the end... Yeah. ...levels out to, like, five cents an hour. Damn. But it's Wait, still... Wait, seriously? I mean, I haven't actually done the math. Uh, okay. But, like, we were working like 20 to 30 hours a week yeah. on top of our full-time jobs and then the profit would be like three to five hundred dollars each maybe but yeah. again it's just the feeling of like being paid to perform something and, and like it's your own yeah like the fact that people would show up and like it would sell out i think those were by far the coolest jobs i've ever had yeah and like nice. hulu commercials and stuff like that Nice. Hulu commercials? Yeah. What? Um, it was through The Onion. Like, Allegra hired The Onion to do a comedic commercial for them. Uh-huh. Oh, this was terrifying. I woke up the day of the shoot super congested. Nice. And I was like, shit. Right for the th- part. But no, I'm supposed to be, like, clear oh. because I take Allegra. <laughs> so I was doing everything you could think of, like, the nutty pot, like... <laughs> Hacking up loogies, doing like vocal exercises, and thankfully, like adrenaline kicked in and I was fine, but I was so terrified. Jesus. And then the other one was for Ben and Jerry's, but I didn't have 
I didn't have any lines. I think I just was like eating ice cream, which was great. Yeah, that's your dream job. But yeah, I mean, those are definitely my dream jobs. Nice. Uh, or I guess I already had them. But like, it's my dream to only do that. Right. Like to only to be, be an paid. actor. Yes. Yeah. And to be able to like pay my bills just off of performance. You will. You'll get there. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are your coolest jobs? Um, I've done a lot of random, but, you really but fun. Like, seriously, it goes from, like, camp counselor to, like, currency exchange to, like... <laughs> but, like, the coolest, definitely, I worked for the Chicago Olympic bid when we were going for the Olympics in Chicago 2016. I know a lot of people were against it, whatever, I don't care. But it was awesome, um... I worked with, like, amazing, like, of course, for that, like, they had, like, top-notch execs from, like, all different types of uh, companies. Like, I worked right behind, right underneath the event producer who pr- produced, like, the whole, like, three, four days of the Olympic Committee coming into town to tour the city, to tour the venues that we were Ooh. building out. And, like, the videos that we made about, like, honestly, I always loved Chicago, but working there and, like, seeing the videos of Chicago and, like... The whole office was just decked out in like pictures of Chicago. It was just like, damn, this city's gorgeous. Like, yeah, it gave you I pride. knew it, but like, man. And then it was like when Obama was president, so like he had a commercial for yeah. us. It was just like, this is amazing. It was awesome. And I met Oprah. I mean, met. She she walked past me and I waved to her and she waved back. I count that. As that zero. counts. That counts. That counts. That counts for sure. I also was a street freak. Which is oh you what? know no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I uh... was an intern. <laughs> I was an intern for Kiss FM and that's what they called them street freaks so we were the ones that were like at like a random T-Mobile like head on down to T-Mobile and get some uh, gear or like win a ticket to blah blah but that was cool I mean that's perfect for your personality yeah and it was awesome. And my high school, unfortunately, which is like the more the older I get, the more I'm like pissed off about it. But we didn't have Friday night football games. So I worked Friday night football games like that one semester at all these different high schools. And I was like, man, this is so fun. It was cool. I like that. That is cool. Yeah. What about your worst job? Uh, call center. Yeah. I worked in my university's call center all four years of college. Oh. And it was brutal. Damn, you stayed at your worst job for four years. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Honestly, my my call center job is what funded my long distance relationship with Aaron because starting my sophomore year, um, he lived he transferred to Cornell in New York. Oh right. So I mean the only way we could afford to like fly back and forth was for me to work on a regular basis on top of the billions of things I was doing in college. But yeah, people, please be nice to customer service representatives. Like, I I had the job of answering like the 1-800 number so you for the get, college yeah like people were me so like some people would be like i don't remember who my academic counselor is can you look it up and connect me with them yeah or most often they're like i can't get a hold of my finance counselor I hate, and i'm like i used to God. deal with that at blue play where they're like they're not answering the phone i'm like well what do you want me to do yeah like, and if- it, it's stressful and then it's like if people are coming in hot they're mean to you for no reason. Right, it's not you. But I always tried to kill him with kindness, and sometimes people would apologize by the end of the call, which yeah. for me was a win. Yeah. But you also had to do G-chat conversations while you were taking calls. Oh. So I'm like, that seems, like, inefficient. Yeah. But you know what? I'm I'm grateful that I had a job. Yeah. And that it was, like, connected to campus, so it didn't get more convenient I guess but yeah I will never work in a call center again (laughs) I worked at a lot of random like throughout my college career at U of I I had a lot of random jobs like I didn't stick with just one but the worst one I had and hands down the worst job I've had before um was similar to call center except for it was for the fraternal order of police what does fraternal order mean? You know, I don't even... It was an association that police are involved in. And you're calling for donations 
to the fraternal order of police. So can you imagine Yeah. most calls that I got when I was like, hi, would you like to donate to the cops? And You're they're like, like, hell no. Can they take my ticket off my record? Oh, no. Okay. Click. Like I was getting cursed out all the time. And then I had to Yikes. do the script and it was the worst. And also the company sucked too. This one time they were having us call an area that was literally being hit by a tornado. Oh. Like being hit. So, like, someone answered, and they were like, are you serious right now? Like, how insensitive can this company be? We're literally running for our lives. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I think I lasted there for, like, a month, and I was like, I can't do this. That sounds awful. And then, like, you know, like, the six, oh, well, so this call center for me was different years. Because with mine, it was, like, all these people in one room. And so it's, like, there's those ones that have, like, been there for a while. And it almost feels like, like... A movie where they just feel so like yeah how many how many cells did you get today and i'm like dude i this don't care that cool. i'm 19 years yeah old. like i don't give a damn what this is oh i i was definitely like looking at the people who had worked in the call center for 10 plus years or who were in their like 40s or 50s and like this is where they were retiring I was just like, dang, that that is not for me. I well, can't. but if you think about it, you never know. Maybe they had a passion like you and just needed a paycheck, and yeah. you know they were doing something on the side. Not that I knew of. They were just <laughs> kind of your average like Joe and Carol. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Well, but we all need those Joe and Carols. We do for the jobs that Holly and Misha don't want to do. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I put in my time. I'm done with that. Uh, did you ever have? Issues with sexual harassment. Well, you just gonna jump on into that. Huh? Well, you know, just <laughs> going back to Worst. specifically our experience, our experiences as women um, in the workplace. I don't. I know that I have. I for some reason can't pinpoint a specific experience. Though. You mean you didn't journal each and every? No, <laughs> no. Um, just kidding. Neither and did usually, I. yeah, I never journal, so that would never happen. But. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think I can really think, I guess, no. Yeah, people have said things inappropriate, but like, they were also my friends at work, so then I probably said something inappropriate back. So that it was more just like playful banter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's but fair. like if they had said that to someone else, they probably would have filed, like, you know, so like, sure. but I'm also, you know, me, so. Yeah. I, yeah, whatever. What about you? I definitely have, and, and and in ways where I was extremely uncomfortable. Oh, shit. But I never reported anything because I didn't want to be labeled as, like, a tight ass or, like, have someone... Which sucks. ...lose their job over me. But, yeah, I, I wish, looking back, I had been bold enough to at least say, that's not cool, like, please don't talk to me like that. Right. And it was, it was at the restaurant jobs. Um, you know, from what I can remember, it was just at those jobs. But, like, even... At my serving job, like, one of the managers would even join in. And I think what made me uncomfortable is it was always, like, a, it was always, like, two, three, or four guys. Right. So it felt like I was even more in the spotlight because it was just me versus this group of men. And they would just make weird comments. Like, one weekend they were just joking about, like, weekend plans and how they would like to take shots off my body. And I oh, was like, okay. how did we what? get to this? Or like I was on my knees like... Oh, well... Exactly. I was Holly, on my knees... What were you fi- doing on your knees? I was like putting <laughs> shit on a Just shelf. Just kidding. You weren't asking for anything. Don't Sorry. be too shame. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's exactly what not to do, listeners. I was trying um, to teach a lesson there. <laughs> no, but I was like putting something away on these shelves. Uh-huh. But then, of course, they made a joke about me on their knees and, like, do you want to do Hell. something else while you're down there what? type shit. Oh. And I was like... The, but again, I was just like, ha, ha, ha. Because oh. I just didn't know what to say. Yeah. Um, And so it was mostly just little comments here or there. And sometimes I wouldn't even really realize what they were saying until it, the moment had passed. Right. I wish I would have said something and just been like, I don't care if you think I'm a tight ass, like... You shouldn't talk to me like that while I'm right, at work. Like, right. We weren't close friends. Right. So this well, is weird. And the more that you're talking, I mean, I guess I definitely can't think of sexual, but I can definitely think of like racial stuff that's happened that's oh, no. made me feel uncomfortable where it's just like, you know, a lot of times I'd be like the token black person. Yeah. So like the things that were asked, like, I don't, it's hard to explain, but like there were just things where I'm like, you you shouldn't say that. Like, how mm. do you not know that you shouldn't say that? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like things were, but I would 
call them out. I wouldn't call them out in like a way where it was aggressive, but I would kind of just be like, did you really just ask me that? Like, like let's shut this down. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. I'm trying to help you before you run into the next bitch. That's not <laughs> going to be this nice. Do not do that. <laughs> Ironically, the one time I did speak up with something racial and you're like, Holly's white. What happened? And it was with another white server. But <laughs> oh, okay. this family came into the restaurant, and I want to say they were Indian. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to lie, it was one of the uglier babies I've seen in my lifetime. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what their race is. It just happened to be an unattractive baby. But the other white server was like, your husband's black, right? And I was like, yeah. And he, and he was like, well, I bet your baby's going to turn out just as ugly as that brown baby. And <gasps> oh, I was like, hell. excuse me? And he was like laughing. And I at first was just shocked and silent. Right. And then I was like, that's not funny at all. Right. And he tried to like expand on his joke saying like how weird looking brown babies are. Oh, fuck. And I was like, why are you still talking? First of all, brown Ugh. babies are beautiful. beautiful. Like- just not this particular one. <laughs> And again, it had nothing to do with the fact that the baby was brown or specifically Indian. It's just, it was just ugly. There which... are ugly babies of every race and <laughs> beautiful it, babies of every race. Was it a young race. baby, though? Because, like, early yes. babies are usually mostly... Exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay. It was... This is probably one of its first times out in the world. Do you think... Isn't it weird when, like, parents, like, you feel like... I, okay, I'm just telling you this right now. Like, if my baby comes out ugly, can you just tell me? Like, don't let me be I the, don't know if I Don't can. let me be that lady that's like, look at how precious... Like, because every time I see a baby that's not cute, I'm like... Oh, look at it. It's like, tiny. you know. That is a fact. It look is at a that baby. head on him. <laughs> oh, I know. I always say, like, so precious. No, no, so precious. Cute. Yeah. Because if the baby's cute, I'm about to gush. Like, it'd be like, oh my God, your baby is so freaking adorable. Oh, like, like I can't, Ashley's I can't, baby? I can't, yeah. Okay, the pastry chef at where we used to work. Oh, yeah. Her baby has the cutest, like, chubbiest cheeks. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm a sucker for chubby cheeks on a baby. Yeah. Um, Oh, so just finalizing that story. So I decided, like, screw that. I am going to say something. Uh-huh. And so, like, one of the co-owners came in. And I was like, you know what? He said something I, I'm really offended by. And he kept saying it was a joke. But I just, I don't appreciate it. Yeah. And he had said things to other people. Like, our bus, two of our busters were black guys. And, like, whenever black people would come into the restaurant, they'd be like, your cousins are here, and it's oh, just like, no. who? That's not even... What's this guy's name? Patrick. Last name? I don't remember. But <laughs> Patrick. It, yeah, you're getting a shout out. <laughs> and it sucked because he got away with so much because he was such a great server. Mm-hmm. Like, he could and handle... And probably because he was a white man. Yep. He mm-hmm. could handle a lot of tables. He had years of experience. But I'm like, you know what? Just because it's not an office doesn't mean we shouldn't keep it professional. Exactly. And that's one thing that bothered me about the hospitality industry. It's like a lot of those rules that would apply or should apply in an office yeah. were kind of thrown out the window or yeah. like brushed under a rug. Yeah. So like he got a little slap on the wrist, but then it was just more awkward because then he's like, wow, you had to tell on me. And, and I'm like, like, well, don't you're be damn an asshole. right. Yes. And um, you're lucky I just told on you and didn't whoop that ass. Right. Is that what you said? Yes, those exact words. I figured. You're lucky I didn't whoop your ass. (laughs) When it comes to raises and promotions, I am really bad at initiating those conversations. Uh I'm very uncomfortable by the idea of having to ask for a raise. And I've only done it once and it was unsuccessful. Huh. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I what's interesting about work life for me, and I feel like it is changing the older I get because I feel like I was less assertive in my personal life than I am now. But even when I was younger, I always felt like I was way more assertive in the workplace than I was at like home or hmm. with my friends. Like I can take a lot of bullshit in my personal life, but I don't take bullshit at work. Like, Interesting. I'm just, and it's, it's hard because, you know, like I also have the same personality inside and outside of work. So people <laughs> might take me as not serious. And so maybe they think that they can like mess with me or play with my emotions. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I just, I just, 
I speak up. I, yeah, I speak up for myself for sure. Good. And I definitely have always been one where like if I feel like I want to move to the next level, like I'm going to set up like a meeting with somebody to talk to them, to let them know that I'm interested, but also like to get advice from them. Like I've just always, I guess my mom kind of instilled that in me because she's always just been like, be a go-getter. Like don't just put like. Put yourself out there. Yeah, you got to put yourself out there to like move up and like. You know, just like what we talked about with Blue Play, like I was kind of, I did that with my last job too, although I was there for nine years, but I got about like, I think at least four promotions while being there. So like, Good. I was never satisfied. I wanted to always like keep going up. Yeah. So it's interesting. Well, this is, uh, well, should be no surprise to anyone, right. but there is a wage gap uh-huh. in the United States and... We're going to talk about that. Yeah. So Time Magazine had an article about the age wage gap, sorry, in medicine. Uh-huh. And it said the average male doctor made $258,000 per year. Okay. Obviously, it ranges based on your specialty. Right. While the average female physician earned $207,000. Damn. And then the average male specialist salary is... 372,000 compared to only 280,000 for female specialists. That's bullshit. It really is. Uh, so let's dig into that. So yeah. we found some reasons for why that's happening. Um, first reason is obviously discrimination and biases. Yep. So according to a study by Harvard Business Review, they found that women actually rank more highly than men in 12 out of the top 16 leadership qualities, such as problem solving, communication skills, innovativeness. But women are consistently overlooked by employers who still tend to view men as being more competent. Mm, mm, mm. Bullshit. Um, another reason that men are making more is because of unfairness with bonuses. Men were receiving up to 35% uh, percent more in performance bonuses than women, despite receiving the same performance rating. Bullshit. What? Bullshit. And I feel like we talked about this before, but like, it's probably part of that has to do with assertiveness, you know? Like, yeah. I could totally see a guy walking in like, listen, I did this work, yeah. I need a bonus, where women were like, I did a great job. I've read, I've read articles that have talked about this issue, and um, one of them specifically focused on the fact that uh, w- women often have a harder time, um, like, establishing their worth and like recognizing what they are worth to the company. Yeah. Whereas men will, if anything, exaggerate uh-huh. how much they're worth to the company, uh-huh. but they're so confident and assertive in demanding the raises and bonuses that they get it. Whereas women are like, well, I guess if this is what they're paying me, like maybe that is all I deserve, blah, blah, blah. Women, let's change that. Yes. <laughs> you are worth more. Seriously. Um, another thing is, and this makes sense, there's a lot of female-dominated industries that just don't pay high wages. They're lower-paying wages. So like childcare, nursing, social work, even teachers. Right. You know, they're important jobs. Yes. You like, know? These are jobs that are shaping the next generation totally. of citizens. Totally. And like social workers definitely are not doing it for the money because right. you have to be a very special person to be able to do that work and do yeah, it well. Totally. But yeah, you you don't get compensated properly. Yeah, that's so tough. That's a yeah, that's a tough point. Yeah. Um and then the last reason that we're talking about is called the motherhood penalty. Okay. So there are lots of things that fall under this. Um, sometimes companies don't want to hire women if they think they're, you know, planning on having babies soon because yeah. they're going to have paid time off mm-hmm. or sometimes not paid time off, but they'll still be out of the office. Right. You know, while their vaginas are healing yeah, from you know. the monstrosity that is birth. That no big deal thing that happens to <sighs> And then also, um, sometimes people have biases where they assume that mothers are going to be more distracted uh-huh. by their children or have to leave work more often uh-huh. versus men who are fathers. Uh-huh. So it's just an extra little bias. Well, damn it. I don't like yeah. it. Um, another thing that we were we were uh, looking at is called the imposter syndrome. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of the imposter syndrome? I have. Okay. Well... 
So technically, it is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments or talents and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Mm -hmm. I know that I feel this a lot. Yeah. I do. And it's always funny. Like, I remember even coming out of reviews and being like, were they just being really nice? Like, there weren't many bad parts of that, if any. And it's weird that like you doubt yourself and I feel like it's also kind of we talked about this with the motivation episode where I was like you know how I procrastinate and the reason Mm -hmm. why I do is because I can and it's kind of like that where it's like sometimes I feel guilty because people are like you did a great job but like in the back of my head I'm like I know I could have worked harder on this but I didn't but it worked (laughs) you know and so like even though I performed well like and I'm being praised for my performance I'm still feeling like I didn't do enough do you feel like that imposter syndrome-ness <laughs> stems from you being a woman and or being black and or something else. I think it's a combination. <laughs> I think it's those two. I also think it's my personality. So I feel like sometimes people, just because I can be kind of silly and not spoken and loud, like people, I'm always afraid that people don't think I'm as smart as I am. Mm. If that makes any sense. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, Misha, here comes Misha. You know, but like, I am smart. And like, I have to like, remember that like, not all smart people are stuffy, you know. Robots. Robot nerds. You right. know, like, it. so I don't, it's it's a weird, it's a weird psychological pattern. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think talking with other strong women within the workplace will really like help you kind of get out of that Mm -hmm. and I definitely used to use my mom a lot when it came to work advice like from like asking for promotions to asking for raises to interviews just because she's just hashtag boss ass bitch like she's she's just always been successful in climbing yes let's go into details yeah about that so like she started as a teacher math teacher and was like Nah, I don't like this. Went into <laughs> IT with Sears. Um, basically, within years, she was a VP at Sears, moved around, but was always a VP, was there for like 35 years, Crazy. then retired. Um, failed retirement, because a year later, she became CEO of Make-A-Wish Foundation of Illinois Chapter. And Which is amazing. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. She's awesome. And like even my friends will like reach out for questions about career, just because like she's... She's just, she's that, you know? I mean, there aren't as many black female CEOs as there should be. So I think that's why she is just such a role model. Yeah. And so lucky for you all, we asked her for a voice message just to give advice to women who really do want to climb in their career. For women who want manager positions and higher. Yep. So we're about to play that for you. Yeah, check it out. Miss Stephanie Susan Springs Cole. Wow, that's <laughs> a really lovely name. <laughs> Think about what gives you some joy, what brings um, excitement to your life, and then start to think about what another step in your organization might look like. And, and be willing to share that. Be willing to talk with whoever is your supervisor, manager at the time, uh, whoever you may have found as a, a potential mentor, but be able to talk about what you're looking to try to accomplish. Um, because if you don't talk about it, they're not gonna be able to figure it out. And as much as you like to believe that folks will just recognize your excellence, um, they may not recognize it, but they may not do anything about it. Uh, try to find a mentor. If one isn't assigned to you, go find one. Most of the time people do want to help somebody else out and they also want to share their own experiences. People like talking about their stuff. Don't look for somebody who's just going to pat you on the back. Look for somebody who will give you some solid advice. Uh, so a mentor is a big deal, especially if you somehow or another find a mentor, with, with mentor within the organization where you are. Sometimes that mentor can really, really help fulfill that vision that you have and, and kind of pull you forward. You got to do the tough work. I mean, you're not going to be able to slide around. You're, you're a woman, you know, and so you're going to have to do the research. You're going to have to think through what might come up in this meeting, uh, what might come up on this project that I'm trying to get done. And you got to do your work. You got to go into everything like you, you're going to kick butt and deliver that 
in your own style, in your own manner. It's not always like, oh my God, I have to be aggressive and I have to do this. It's not necessarily the case. In your style, know your style, but be prepared. And then the last thing I would, I would offer is if you are balanced in your, your physical well-being um, and, and you feel solid about uh, you know how, what, what shape you're in and you're balanced in terms of your family and your friends and your spiritual life and then you're balanced in your career advancement, you've got something going pretty good there. And will it always be perfectly balanced, a third, third, third? Nope. But be aware that it's out of balance and then try to do some things to try to grab some of that balance back. Now we got to give a huge shout out to all of these stay-at-home moms and dads because that is an exhausting, important job. Totally. So 30% of moms stay at home according to the Institute of Family Studies, and 7% of dads stay home, uh, according to 2016 Pew Research. Did you have a stay-at-home mom? Uh, Kind of. She worked from home, but because my my parents divorced when I was eight months old, so my mom obviously like had to work full-time after that. But she could do a lot of it from home. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I kind of at one point had a stay-at-home dad just because once he started catering, he had his own schedule. Yeah. So he was just at home. Like, he was still mm-hmm. working, but yeah, my mom was never stay-at-home. She was... I could not imagine Stay out of the one. home. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another stat that's pretty interesting is globally, women spend three times as much time as men on unpaid work, including household work. So... Yeah, they're not getting paid, but like the amount of hours that are put into what they have to do to take care of the house, whether you're stay at home or not, like the additional hours that somehow fall into their laps. (laughs) I mean, which it does depend on the household and the totally, totally. I mean, there's definitely equal, but I I even find that with me and Wit, like I notice I definitely do more household. I do too. Chores, but it's not because like he's like you gotta do these housework. It, I, just, right. I just kind of fall. I fell into that role. Me and too. He helps, but for me, I think it's because it bothers me more. Uh-huh. Like I notice mess and clutter more than he does. Yeah. And then, well, now that I'm unemployed and he's a working doctor, yeah, of course, me, yeah. like I better do more work because yeah. I'm home way more. Yeah, same with me. With but yeah, I for work. I think even back to when we were equally busy, or when I was even sometimes busier for short periods of time, I still did more yeah. because I'm also more anal, and I'm like, I'm just gonna get it done when I want it and how I want yeah. it done. Yeah, and I just can't. Like we said before in an episode, I can't sit still for some reason, especially when he's here. So I'm just always doing something around this damn small ass house (laughs) so we actually asked for another uh sound recording this is from one of my best friends kati we have been friends since first grade so this is the og friend and she has a beautiful baby boy named bennett Oh, I believe it's about to be two. Should I hope that I got the right? Yeah, I think it's about to be two. But we talked to her because she just hit her one year as a stay-at-home mom after working for the first month, five months of Bennett's life. So we basically asked her. She's going to start off with explaining what made her decide to become a stay-at-home mom and go from there. I didn't love my job, so that made it easier when you're ready for a break or a shift or a pause anyway, and daycare is really expensive, it was kind of an easier decision than I maybe would have thought. I would say the best part is my brain doesn't have to, okay, besides my son, that's my first answer, my son, my pride and joy, all those things, watching him grow up, blah, 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 you know, like all the little moments I would have missed. Yes, absolutely, 100%. In addition to my son, my brain does not have to share its stress. You don't have to worry about reports or taking work home with me or just getting up in the morning and putting on pants before 8 a.m. It's the hardest part is making sure I still feel legit. Sometimes you put your needs to the side and I don't want to just like come out of the cave in five years when I'm done raising my children and be like what's going on like 
who has a job for me? I, I still want to do things and pursue things that I love. Just making sure that you still find your interests and um, carve out time to, to do those things so that you feel productive and just happy. One thing I got from Kati's recording yeah. that I've heard from other moms uh-huh. or just observed is um, a lot of women put their identity totally. in being a mother, totally. which is amazing right. because like, obviously it's taking up a lot of your energy and your time. Right. But I think the trouble with that is then when your kids go off to college, like who are you right. and what is your purpose? Well, and I feel like I've heard about that regarding like divorces too because yeah. like the the parents are so into their kids and not really into themselves and each other that right. once the the nest is empty they're like wait do I even like you would you ever want to be a stay-at-home mom so I joke about it right now just because unemployment life like it does feel good to not go into an office every day you know some days like I was like yes <laughs> let's get to this work and some days I was just like oh I don't want to wake up for this tonight but you have to wake up regardless yeah, for the kid. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> so, no, I don't think I would want... I definitely don't think that I could be a stay-at-home mom for the full life. Or full life. For like, like the 18 full, years. Exactly. Absolutely not. Yeah. Now, if we're able to, maybe in the beginning. But I've always... I've never thought that I was going to do that. I just thought I would do maternity leave. And that's yeah. probably what will happen. Yeah. I what think... about you? It's tough because we're not there yet and I could totally change my mind when it happens. But knowing me, I think I would want to at least work part-time. Yeah. I could totally see myself being like feeling guilty or something if I'm away too much. Yeah. But I could not be a a full-time stay-at-home mom because I've had tastes of it. Uh Um, I nannied. A couple nephews when they were three months old and two years old, I nannied them full time, like five days a week, eight to eight and a half, or like nine hours a day sometimes. And it was great practice, but oh my gosh, I couldn't. I was just like craving adult interaction. Like I felt really lonely. You started like talking to people in baby voices and be like, oh shit, you're an adult. (laughs) I I just like was counting down till when like adults would come home yeah. and I would lose my mind because they both get hungry but never at the same time right. or like they both have poopy diapers but never at the same time Ugh. I was like I can't I can't do this life like Ugh. not full time Yeah, I just can't and then I had practice in the pandemic I went to Iowa and helped my sister out with her now three three boys and um, that was, that was another a, another reality check of like, okay, yeah, this is amazing and I love getting to be with them, but this could not be my all day every day. Yeah. I need something more. I need things for myself, like Kati said. Like yeah. something that defines me as an individual outside right. of being a yeah, mother. that makes sense. I mean, I even remember I was a nanny for a while for this family and it was so much fun. Like I loved them. They like treated me like I was in the family. Like it was awesome. Also, the pay was... anyways and I remember I did that like from like probably like junior year of high school through like some of college and then I came back one year after college and like was doing it like not as much but sometimes and I'd be like yeah this isn't fun anymore like I, (laughs) I like I almost felt bad I'm like I feel like I'm not even like playing with them the way I used to like I'm tired like how how old were they when you first started the oldest was in fifth grade and the youngest was oh, in first grade. And that's like even better because they can be a little bit more independent. Totally. And they were boys and so and they got I mean, they got along but they also fought. But yeah, they had a lot of classic. friends and then like my friend Annie, she nannied um their best friends. So like we oh, were just together so all the time. Fun. And also we also camp uh counseled the camps that they were in. So like we were getting paid to like hang out with each other. That's awesome. Especially because her family were members of the country club. So we would literally go there every day, eat all the food. Because they're like, we have to spend like $14,000 on food a year. Uh, so like order whatever you want. I'm like, what? we'll do. We'll do. Wow. Yeah. So nannying, don't get me wrong, a great job. And like, it's also, it's, it's a cool experience because you are like molding somebody else's life. You know, yeah. like I grew up with a babysitter that was there every day. Like... We had 
we didn't call her a nanny, but she, yeah, I guess she she, she was, was our na- nanny. She was there, and we had three. I mean, not all at the same time, but like growing up, we had three. Like one when I was a baby, and then she passed, and she was the best. And then I had another one, and then another one. And they were always there, like to get us up for school. Yeah. And then they were there until like my mom or dad got home. So I it's mean, important. Like it's definitely an important job, and it's. Oof. I will just say, like I have babysat. And nannied a lot. Yeah. But the hardest was when it was an infant and a two-year-old. Yeah, no. Because they're both in diapers and they both can't really I didn't communicate. Do, nope. I, I babysat a lot too, but I did not babysit babies. It's a whole nope. new you gotta learn, challenge. You got to learn how to go to the potty before I come around. <laughs> well, good luck with your kids. <laughs> oh, shit. I know. It's going to be bad. <laughs> so this naturally feeds into like the work-life balance yeah so kati decided she just wanted to be a full-time stay-at-home mom yep and some moms decide that they don't want that and they want to dive right back into work yeah um so we have a recording our last one for this episode from my previous boss at blue plate beth she's amazing (laughs) i love her she is so hilarious um and she has had an amazing career. Yeah. She's been at Blue Plate for over 25 years. She's the VP of business development. So, you know, she is responsible in part for the growth of totally. and success of the company. Totally. And we asked her um, a variety of things, but we just wanted to know, like, what would you tell women that want to go far in their career, but also want to have children? And, you know, how did she balance having two kids while working in this crazy industry where right. you have to work during the day yeah. and some nights Entertaining and Entertaining people. It's a lot. Stopping at all the big clients' parties. Yeah, it's a lot. It doesn't, sure. it's not just nine to five. Yeah. So here are her recordings and uh, we hope you enjoy her advice. Go for it. Uh, women should be able to, you know, rock it just like men do, but also realize that you're going to always feel guilty because you're either feeling guilty when you're at work that you're not with the kids or when you're with the kids that you're not meeting deadlines and everything. So just realize it's part of life. Um, I don't know if men feel that way, the same way women do, (laughs) but that's just the reality. So... Uh, but don't let it stop you from being successful. The most important thing for me when that worked out is that I had uh, I have a spouse that's super supportive, and we were able to balance you know both of our work lives. Um, you know our business is so crazy nights, weekends, entertaining, and uh, which is a big part of it. So he was able to really um, fill in the blanks. And like I have a network of friends that are like freaking amazing. So it takes a village. If you all could take one thing from this episode, I hope. You just decide, no matter what the people around you are doing, Mm -hmm. don't judge them and don't judge yourself. Just decide what's best for you and possibly your family. There are no wrong answers. It is a case-by-case basis. So don't judge each other. Support each other and build each other up because it's all work. It's just different work. Exactly. Just be the boss bitch that you truly are. Yeah. Because we're all some boss bitches. So that's our episode wrapping up. Please make sure that you go follow us on Instagram at Loud and Louder Podcast. Also, again, we do have a little voice recording. If you want to leave us a message, click on our link in our bio on Instagram, and there will uh, be a link there to send you on over there. And make sure you like and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us. This is Loud and Louder with with Holly Holly and Misha. Misha.